Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Ame Grigic, and today with me is uh, Lars Pekenbrink. Uh, he is uh, the country manager for the Netherlands for Bolt. And uh, welcome, Lars. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ame. No problem at all. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and uh, how you got started at Bolt? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm a uh, Dutch uh, person. Um, I was born in the south of the Netherlands, Breda. I studied um, industrial design engineering. Uh, as you can imagine right now, it's not closely to what I've studied exactly. Um, but out of there, I basically started working at uh, Deliveroo. So launched Deliveroo in the Netherlands, start working for a uh, e-mobility company called Lime. And um, so far, my passion has always been within the mobility sector. Um, within Deliveroo, I was responsible for the driver operations, the courier side, and um, at, at Lime as well for the out-of-warehouse operations. So that mobility um, motivation brought me to Bolt uh, when I came to find about the opportunity to uh, launch Bolt in the Netherlands. Um, and I really noticed that the culture of Bolt, by speaking to the people that work there, um, I really find the culture very close to my heart. Um, and I saw a big opportunity for a player like Bolt in the Netherlands, hence mm-hmm. why I decided to uh, join uh, Bolt and, and lead Bolt into the Netherlands. Okay. And uh, could you tell me a little bit about why, uh, why the mobility part? So why, why do you f- find that interesting? Because uh, as you said, you've done a few, uh, few trips uh, with other companies as well. Why is mobility so close to your heart? Um, it's a very good question. Uh, where it originates from, I've actually no idea. I think it has partly to do me being Dutch. Obviously, we cycle a lot. Uh, we're heavily dependent on the infrastructure of cities. And what I've noticed um, in my previous experience, but also traveling to various countries and cities, is that the infrastructure city by city varies a lot. And you really notice um, that some cities have an amazing infrastructure for, let's say, the e-mobility, for the micro-mobility or for, let's say, the taxis. And some cities are absolutely not built for any traffic at all. Um, And that sort of always triggered my interest on how to uh, discover and also see how people are moving within the city. Um, and how various parts um, of the community plays a role in that. So I'm looking at companies, municipalities, but also you and me and as individual, as a habitant of that specific city. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed uh, myself is if I compare, for example, Amsterdam to Rotterdam, where I am mm-hmm. at, uh, it's it's already like totally different. It's like two yeah. totally different uh, uh, cities within the Netherlands that have just different ways of transportation, uh, where I think you will see a lot more, as you said, the kind of micro transportation things or mo- micro mobility things within uh, Amsterdam because it's just busier, right? It's uh, smaller, smaller streets and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's uh, what is a very funny. Uh, it's not funny. Well, like what is a very interesting combination as well is that now with the rise of technology over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. we've actually seen that technology enables people to take different forms of transportation. Um, I, I mean, asked me ten years ago if we would have electric scooters or electric bicycles in Paris, I would have said like. No, like that's not going to work. But then if you walk through Paris right now, um, I mean, even with Bolt, we launched our e-bikes in in Paris in the last couple of weeks. And those forms of transportations are, it's not like a gimmick anymore. It's actually really offering a very good means of transportation for citizens of, of, of a city. 
Yeah, and they're using it. That, that's the 100%. most. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's the thing that I've noticed a lot. Is um, it kind of seems like they were just there uh, all of a sudden, right? The electric scooters and yeah. uh, and and people were actually adapting to them very quickly, uh, especially the younger generation. I think uh, where they were like, oh yeah, let's just take the scooter. I'll pay for for it by minute, and that's it, right? And yeah. uh, and and that's how we how we use it now. So could you tell a little bit about Bolt and how it uh, how it came to be and also what you kind of provide as a service? Yeah, for sure. So Bolt is in a uh, is a European on-demand transportation platform, is how we call it. Um, it um, started all with Marcus in Estonia. So in 2013, I think Marcus at that time was about 19 years old. So just imagine he's still our CEO at this time. Mm. Um, he started this uh, ID, starting having this ID in his head of um, the way that we currently transport in 2013 with the taxis was highly inefficient, very expensive. It was just not working. Um, so he really kickstarted this entire ID by himself um, and then with his brother later on as well. Um, where he approached taxis, um, made this sort of a MVP, minimal viable product, to test it out whether it actually is indeed an issue, yes or no. Well, that actually became uh, quite a success locally. Um, with that success locally, he, he got that funds and, and he expanded into secondary uh, uh, countries. Um, and really with the, what I call like the European mindset of let's use the money um, that we have to invest in other countries in order to generate more money there, so to say. And in that way, we have been expanding over Eastern Europe and then in about 2015, uh, 14, expanding into uh, Africa, um, where we are now definitely marked leader in the majority of these countries. And then about two years ago, uh, expanding into Western Europe as we felt that the product and our service were more ready for the Western European markets. Um, so we launched, for example, in London, uh, in Paris, in Sweden, Stockholm, and uh, now in, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands as well. Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit before we started. And uh, mm. one of the things that was interesting for me was, uh, of course, the Eastern Europe is is logical because of the uh, position of Estonia, of course, within uh, Eastern Europe. But yeah. the, the move to Africa was inter interesting to me. So how did that, do you know a little bit of how that came about? Why Africa in this case? Uh, it's a very good question, and unfortunately, I've not been there at that time <laughs> in the decision. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I cannot tell you too much about the reasonings behind behind why Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing I do know why we became so successful over the last couple of years is because um, um, it's two factors. Um, one, we um, are quite an efficient company. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why we're able to um, afford uh, to to provide better. Uh, and affordable prices to customers, but also a lower commission to drivers. Uh, and that makes it as well, for example, interesting for the African market, right? Because the African market is probably a little bit lower margin. Um, so the more efficient you are at a company, the more successful you can be at the company. Yeah. Um, the second part to that is that we are, um, and we tend to be very, very local. So, for example, I know that in Africa, we have made quite uh, successful local partnerships. So, for example, with payments, uh, but also other forms of transportation. Think, for example, about motorcycles, um, utilizing that. Um, so that really brought us success over these years and then just continuous focus on uh, providing the best service for the most affordable prices um, has really been a great success over there.
Yeah, so uh, you kind of do general mobility then, in a sense, if you're talking about motor scooters as well, instead of just cars in this case, right? Is it is it multiple things, or how should I see that? So um, we are more and more expanding into different different modality, as what I mentioned earlier. For example, we launched our e-bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have our e-scooters. I think they are now active in more than 22 uh, cities, if I'm correct, okay. more than 22 markets. Um, so we are definitely becoming more and more of a player of different ways of moving yourself through cities. Mm. Um, and we really see that it really complements each other. Um, so there are customers that in certain parts of city and certain cities, you prefer to take a, let's say, a bicycle um, above a, a, a ride, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you do your first leg with a ride and then you do your second leg or uh, whatever um, with your e-scooter. Yeah. So in that sense, we have seen really great synergy between the different forms of transportation. Um, hence why we're exploring that more and more. Yeah, and the combination is interesting because usually what you will have is uh, one app for, uh, for example, the, the scooters uh, that you can just uh, pick up within, within a city and mm-hmm. another app for, for example, your taxi or ride that you want to have to the airport. And it's cool if you can do both, right? Then Because then you have the whole journey from start to finish in this case. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you, but you guys uh, just launched in Amsterdam, right? Uh, just a few right. months ago, I think. Uh, how, how was that to kind of launch this new service in in Amsterdam? Well, it's actually even more fresh. We launched uh, the eighth of July, so that's about oh, three that's weeks really, ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's no, really it's actually really fresh. Uh, it, it's 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 super cool. Uh, I think it, like to begin with, Amsterdam is a huge and thriving marketplace. Um, specifically for the transportation and the ambition that, for example, the municipalities had on on how we organize our transportation in the city. Um, and what we really saw is that there is a lot of room for alternatives. Um, and by us entering this market in Amsterdam and Haarlem, and uh, we think that we can provide, um, first of all, more choice, but also the improved quality of our service. Um, and not just to the riders, but also the drivers alike. I think that's for us very, very important that we create this good connection with the drivers and the riders at the same time. So, so far, it has been um, extremely exciting. Um, we have been receiving many, many great responses um, from all sides. So um, drivers are extremely happy to welcome us into Amsterdam. Um, very welcoming about having a European fair player in the market. Um, they are very welcoming in in how we interact with them, in how we provide the service to them. And on the other hand, we have seen great take up already from riders. Um, the reaction so far are extremely positive, and uh, we really want to drive that word of mouth so that people start taking a bolt because of the experience of bolt. Um, so they will talk to each other, share the experience, the positive experiences, um, and then really try to grow that marketplace yeah all, all in all yeah no super positive and how, how do you how do you actually raise awareness because i understand the word of mouth part but how do you kind of yeah. get in touch with the drivers and also uh yeah product your or actually put your product in this market and, and so that people know that this is an option yeah so obviously um we're an online marketplace so the one of the best ways that we can advertise ourselves is online mm-hmm. um, and how we do that is um um, promoting the message that we are the most affordable player out there. 
Um, in general, yes. And second to that, we obviously have very attractive promotions for our customers to try it out. So, for example, if you're going to start uh, driving, um, riding with us, take a ride, you get, let's say, a 50% discount for your first couple of rides. Or uh, when you're a more frequent or active user, you actually also have right away a referral code. So if you're very positive about your ride, you can actually share that referral code with somebody else. Then you get some credit, the other person gets some credit, and you can try it out even more. Um, that is all stimulated via our social channels, online ads, um, these kind of things. And that has been the main source of marketing. Um, other than that, what I personally, as well as a person really believe in, um, is that relationship that we're building with the drivers. So I want to make sure that we are a fair player and a good player to our drivers. And I strongly believe is that the way that we interact with our drivers and communicate with our drivers, that in the end will translate in how the drivers are communicating with their customers in the car. Yeah. Um, and that means that we're not in here for the, let's say, the fast, quick growth and we're done. We're in here for the long term and really becoming that number one player in, in Amsterdam and potentially the rest of the Netherlands. Mm. And uh, how, how much has it uh, helped you, for example, that uh, other companies were uh, doing it before you? So there were, was a rollout, of course, in other, in other cities uh, as well. Mm. How much has that helped you in launching here? Um, in many ways, a lot. Uh, I mean, specifically, um, uh, I mean, some, some of the players have been for a couple of years. And um, if you just turn back time, let's say five to 10 years ago, um, the ride hailing market was not there yet. So I'm extremely grateful that there were already companies uh, in the Netherlands that have been able to raise awareness about these opportunities of of taking ride hailing, like taking a car on the corner of the street with your app and you know exactly when that driver is coming near you. Um, so I'm extremely grateful that has happened because that in, in an instance create awareness for the market and, and adoption for this. Um, and second to that, obviously, um, on the driver's side, um, there are... Um, how do you say that? The, 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 the legislations, obviously, in the beginning were not made for these forms of transportation for drivers. Mm -hmm. So in that sense as well, there has already been a lot of work done in how we should structure um, um, the, 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 how do you say that? The, the, the product with the driver and the customer so that they have the best experience knowing that they are an individual, an individual entrepreneur, and they need to work on that way, have that freedom to provide themselves with that income. Yeah, and I can imagine that uh, looking between cities, so uh, you can have different legislation in, uh, for example, France than you have in the Netherlands. Uh, and those are, those are kind of things that uh, it helps that, uh, for example, Bolt was maybe already in other countries and all, all other cities as well, where uh, you just know like, okay, this is just, uh, it's not a template, but it's more or less of a template, right? You, you already know like, okay, this is how we can uh, at least get into the market, uh, start promoting our product as well, but also uh, get in touch with the drivers and give them the, the fair share that they, that they deserve, right? Yeah, it's... Um... It's interesting. A lot of the stuff is, uh, it's, I would not say a template. It's more no. just how the product works. Uh, yeah. Because in the end, obviously, um, you want to build a product that consumers are familiar with. Um, so that means a lot of the product features, the way the product interacts with the customer and the driver is similar across country. So you can give that similar good experience. Yeah. Um, but obviously, localization is extremely important because you should always realize that a person, let's say, in the middle of Amsterdam is a a uh, person with a different culture potentially in, than in the middle of Paris or in South Africa, Johannesburg. 
Um, so that's always something that we try to take into account and always incorporate in how we actually are running our operations in the local countries. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we we already talked a little bit about the edge that you have over other uh, companies that are doing kind of this uh, similar thing. But mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you would say like are really the, where you feel like we have the edge over someone else? Uh, why someone would pick us in this case? Uh, I, I strongly believe is that um, it is our efficiency as a company and and drive on those things that that actually matter. So that means that. Um, we always have these um, saying that we are the European responsible and driver-friendly alternative. Um, and what that really means is that um, we want to make decisions um, and we want to make promises that we can live up to. And we want to make sure that that driver that is working with us have that good experience and that everybody on our platform can take a fair share, uh, including the rider with their affordable prices. So it's... Um, an affordable way for a rider to move from A to B. But then on the other side, the driver as well, it also needs to be a good business case for that person. So mm -hmm. we also wanna be a good partner to the driver, make sure that the driver gets enough, uh, um, uh, only needs to pay a certain amount of commission to us so that they can make enough money on every single ride. I think that's equally important because mm -hmm. in the end they are providing the services, it's not us. Yeah. Um, and then with our efficiency in, the, in, in our company, how we've built it up and structured, um, we can take with that less commission, uh, we can still make a business case out of it as well. Yeah, makes, makes sense. Important. Makes yeah. sense. Um, what, what I was wondering about also is uh, you joined a few months ago. Uh, yeah. And uh, how was it for you to join uh, a company, especially in the kind of times we're in right now? Interesting, 100%. Um, yeah. I think uh, this this entire situation has been very interesting for everybody in every single company. So in that sense, um, I share, I think, a lot of experiences that other people have experienced as well with working from home, uh, not sharing experiences with your colleagues in person. Um, so that was uh, very interesting. Um, I've, I've joined Bold for um, the culture, vision, and ambition, is what I already mentioned. Yeah. And... Um, what was interesting here is that I joined indeed very early on um, when this COVID situation just kicked off. So that meant that in my first couple of weeks, months, I did not see a person of Bold in person. Um, but what I felt right away, and that was to me very stimulating, uh, even though I didn't see them in person, I really had a really good connection with every single person that I talked to. Um, so even though we were remote, we were able to already form these personal relationships within the company. And I felt already like, oh, they share the same motives and they share the same vision that I also have um, for companies like Bolt. Yeah. Um, luckily, with my previous experience, I had some experience in remote working, given that I always had central roles. So for me, the ways of working was not necessarily very different. It was more the culture aspect, which in this case was very different. Um, but that, I mean, remotely was a, a great experience. Um, I think, yeah, given the circumstances, it, it could have not been better than that. Yeah, and uh, I can imagine that uh, this uh, all had an impact on the business as well. Uh, maybe less people were taking rides and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, could you tell a little bit about how that was? Do you know uh, how that was for the for the entire company? Yeah, for sure. I mean, full transparency, I think 80% uh, of the companies have been severely hit by the COVID-19 situation. Absolutely. Um, given that Bolt is in mobility, 
Um, obviously, we have been hit hard. Um, no lies about that. Full transparency. Makes sense, um, yeah. But what we've tried to do, and, and definitely during that beginning time, is um, divert into all the other verticals that we have as well. So, for example, we do not only have the ride hailing, right? Mm -hmm. We also have the uh, e-mobility, and we also have the food delivery. So in that time of period, we as a company, and that was amazing to see, uh, we really diverted uh, to these different verticals and explore what are our opportunities in those verticals and see how do they relate to our company and what we can offer to the rest of the people in those cities. Mm. Uh, because that's something that was, for example, a high need of the food delivery to people's home or taking a individual transportation mode like uh, scooters. Um, so it definitely hit hard. Uh, in that sense, I think on a business perspective, we had taken the right way. And what was really inspiring to me is, for example, that we did not fire a single person in this period. I mean, yes, it's been super hard, but as a company, for example, we made the decision to um, have people working less time. So in that sense, decrease the salaries for a short amount of time, like a month or two. Mm -hmm. um, and that basically was the solution uh, as, the, as a company that we wanted to take um, in order to prevent that we needed to fire people. So instead of firing 20%, we, for example, took a, uh, a salary cut in that sense for mm. a short amount of time. That to me, again, was like a sign, hey, this is the company that I want to be with. It's, it is a fair player in that sense if you do that. Yeah, yeah, and everybody is kind of uh, kind of bearing the burden, right? Instead of just a few yeah. people that that, uh, that had that, and then, uh, that's that's nice to hear that uh, that you. But as you said, uh, it kind of uh, it kind of so you would say it kind of sped up some other things that you were already doing, yeah. uh, but you just wanted to do more of within uh, within the company, right? Yeah, and and the interesting thing as well, and that's what we have seen from the numbers as soon as cities are opening more. Um, they're returning back to, I'm not, not saying normal, but returning back to a more normal situation. Uh, we actually saw that um, the rides are picking up quite fast as well. Hmm. Um, so the exact numbers I obviously cannot share, but we yeah. have seen within several months that we are like towards like two thirds of the normal volume again. Um, and that provides a point to us as well, is that that vision that we have that um, the on-demand the mobility is there and it's not to go and, and that the ownership of cars is less interesting over the period of time, that, that is still there. Like that vision really holds up to if you see how fast we recover again. Yeah, yeah. The only thing, uh, of course, were the kind of lockdowns in some. Uh, I mean, in the Netherlands, we we didn't really have that that much uh, as maybe other countries had, like Spain or maybe Italy, or and that's something that I've uh, I'm, I can imagine uh, that has the kind of most impact, right? When people just can't get out, uh, and yep. and that's it. Um, and I can imagine that it also has some impact on the drivers as well because they need to uh, some in some cases maybe enforce some kind of rules that they have in their particular country or uh, yeah. so was was there uh, was there some kind of rule book or something like that that you had to put in place for these kind of uh, this kind of situation well first of all it's always very important to follow the um, the advice from the local authorities on what what the measurements should be and what how they should be taken into account mm -hmm. so obviously in every single a country that we operate, including the Netherlands, we have followed those advices. Um, that's always standard number one, standard protocol. Um, second to that, what we have launched as well is a specific protect category. Uh, we also launched that in the Netherlands, actually. Um, 
And what that stimulates is that you as a customer, but also as a driver, because that health is equally important. It's not just the rider. The driver also needs to feel safe. Um, you have a choice uh, to choose for a car that has, for example, a protective screen. Um, and um, um, we always ask them to have that car cleaned in between rides, for example, the doorknobs, etc. cetera. Uh, that's happening with every category. Um, and uh, we, for example, place several instructions like how to best clean your car with the different disinfection methods, right? Um, in that way, we try to help these individual drivers as well with some guidance on what are the best let's say tips and and, and um, manuals on how you can do certain things to prevent the spread of COVID. Yeah. And as yeah. you said, the, the drivers are a very important part here because of course they have the most contact with, uh, with other people as well. So uh, it, it, the drivers don't have like physical contact, right? Because uh, they, uh, I mean, paying goes through the app, I can, exactly. I can assume, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we uh, do have in other markets, we have cash, but obviously given this situation, we're not handling any cash. You want to no. prevent that contact. Um, so um, uh, customers are opening the door selves. Um, uh, they will put their own luggage in the back to try to prevent that contact uh, with the driver. Makes sense. So uh, to, to get into the future a little bit, so uh, where, where do you feel like uh, mobility is going into in looking uh, a little bit into the future? Where do you feel uh, we're, we're moving towards? Uh, this is a super exciting question for me always. Um, so I, I personally believe, um, and obviously this is depending on country because every country has their own pace. Sure, but for the Netherlands, for example. So I believe that the infrastructure of cities are for sure rapidly changing. Um, and the way they're changing is really to serve the people. Uh, for me, for example, a very good example is if you look in Paris, uh, they made the commitment to increase the amount of bike lanes by, I think it was 10 or 15% during COVID. Uh, then if you look into the UK, they speed tracked the um, allowance of e-scooters. If you look into the ambition of Amsterdam to have by 2025 uh, the city center of Amsterdam fully electric, um, and also them are making very, very big improvements in how to handle um, different points in the city to make mobility more easy. Um, I really see that the cities are changing towards the needs of those people. And second to that, I think it's was very important to realize is that um, it's more focused on utilization rather than ownership. Uh, I'm personally, I'm a big fan of if you live in a city or a crowded area, don't own a car. Um, it's not worth your cost, first of all. Second to that, the car that is sitting on the street, um, it's mostly there, what is it, 70% 70, 70 of the time sitting idle. Um, so that means, one, you're taking space of, of people that can freely move around that space or, for example, for green parks or whatever that benefits the people of the city. Um, and second to that, also just think about the additional pollution that you bring. I would rather have, let's say, a thousand cars driving with people in there than 10,000 cars on the street being idle. Mm. So that is sort of the vision that I see moving towards. And um, in that, you see more and more mobility forms coming up, um, whether that is the e-scooter, whether that is the ride hailing as we know it, whether that is going to be low, more long distance um, uh, transport. There's various modes that, that can come up over the next 10 years. Yeah, and one thing that I, I think will also change is, of course, the uh, the going from home to work, right? Uh, especially if you work in a different city, uh, you, you see that, uh, of course, a lot of people are working more from home and uh, it kind of 
it kind of feels like a lot of people will stay that way if they can, right? If they yeah. work at a technology company, for example, you will see that they, I, 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 you already see like companies saying like, okay, we're kind of remote friendly, right? We're, we're kind of, you can come in the office if you want, but if you don't, just work from home and, and that's it. Uh, I, th- I think that also has an impact on, on what you're doing, right? Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, you will probably see different types of routes exi- like coming up uh, on different times of, of the day, different days of the week, which is extremely interesting as well, right? Because uh, by working towards, um, by, like, by working with the municipality of the cities, um, you're not, as a company, you're not just there to create a business, you're there to improve the city's infrastructure, right? So with all that data, you can actually help the city as well to improve points and how that develops over time. Mm. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it makes sense, and I think uh, I think it will uh, I think it will go more towards that. As you said, uh, it, uh, having a car kind of it depreciates every day, right? It doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, sometimes people will have it from their from their kind of work perspective, right? Then I can uh, understand it a little bit more. But then again, you will see that most of them are going electric, right? They're going to, yeah. towards like Teslas or or something like that, at least. Uh, in that kind of way, they're trying to uh, to help that uh, from a, from an environmental perspective. Um, so to wrap up, I have just one more question. Uh, sure. It's the question I, I ask at the end, but um, you you've been there for a few months. So, but yeah. uh, I, I would l- love to know what kind of your proudest moment was uh, in in the in these last few months that you had. Uh, my proudest moment, I think, uh, the proudest moment is. Um, that you work for several weeks extremely hard like it's almost you dedicate your life to it um i can ask my family and my friends how they view that period still view this period to be honest um but that you work so hard with an incredible bunch of people um both here locally in amsterdam or in the netherlands but also centrally at our headquarters or everybody around the country like around the world who's supporting us um to work so hard and to build something and then to press that button active um, where then your first drivers where you have talked with uh, to go online and then you see those first rides happening and you just put yourself the question mark, where does those first rides come from? <laughs> yeah. That is to me an amazing feeling that you yeah. can never, yeah, it's just an amazing feeling to throw all your effort out there and then see something tangible popping up and that is like building itself up mm. as we go. Yeah, makes sense. I I uh, I would love to see when you come to Rotterdam. <laughs> that, that would be, that would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, so uh, thanks a lot, uh, Lars. Of course. And how can people find Bolt on the internet? I mean, download the app. We're on every single app store. Uh, we buy the the Google app, the Apple. Um, you can Bolt. Uh, just search on Bolt. You can download the app or just Google on Bolt.eu. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will find us 100%. Yeah, and Bolt is B-O-L-T for the people that want it spelled out. Lars, thanks a lot. Uh, it was uh, great talking to you. And uh, of course, uh, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and on all major podcasting platforms. And uh, I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.